0: So today, before we sing, I want to touch on the topic of, of gender again, fraught topic in our day and age, and one that I've kind of intermittently been coming back to, seeking to build rather than just a, a negative, uh, what we aren't, what we don't want to do, what we shouldn't do, trying to build a positive vision for what is good, for what God says is right. And glorious, and we should desire and aspire to. Now, I am gonna. Some of the stuff that I say, you're gonna have to kind of decipher a little bit because I'm speaking in in code, because of the size of our audience, as, by, by which I mean the age representation in our audience. So, I'm gonna try to keep it uh, in, in broader terms because we live in a day and age where things that I mean, as Scripture says, the things that shouldn't even shouldn't even be spoken of, and now it's streaming live on YouTube. So we have to always, anyway, be careful how we speak, but especially when we have young young folks with us. So I want to start off with an anecdote. The thing that got me thinking about this topic was that uh, it was an episode from Alibeth Beth Stuckey's podcast, which is called Relatable. How many of you are familiar with Alibeth Beth Stuckey? So it looks like probably about seventy percent. So Ali Beth Stucky is a conservative Christian political uh, podcaster. She's a wife and a mom, and um, overall puts out just excellent content. Honestly, I have yet to find a male political commentator out there who will rely so heavily on Scripture and speak biblical truth, and it's frustrating. She does a really, really good job, and it's like, where are the men? She's putting all these other guys to shame who are just being good conservative, you know. She, she's somebody that will go back to Scripture. So anyway, if you're looking for a good, a good place to get some, some biblical perspective on current events, check out her podcast, Relatable. Uh, but on this podcast over the last week, I listened to the second part of a two-part interview that she did with a detransitioner. And so this detransitioner is a woman who, for a while, pretended to be otherwise and, is, and then came to faith in Christ— And now embraces her femininity. Um, But in that season of pretending, she went all the way, surgical, the whole bit. And she's now physically never going to be the same. Um, Heartbreaking to hear stories like that and to hear her, her perspective, her regret that she's never gonna be able to do normal woman things anymore. She's never gonna be able to nurse her kids. She's never gonna even be able to have kids um, because of what she did to herself. what she allowed to be done to her, and she was lied to. So is she responsible? Yes, she is responsible for her sin. At the same time, she and many, 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 many other folks are out there operating off of a cultural gospel that says Once you do enough of these surgeries and so on, then you will have peace. Then you will have joy. Then you will be satisfied. And it's a lie. And she is now, I mean, devoting her life to going around telling people this is a lie. Don't do this. You're going to regret it. And so praise God through Christ. It doesn't end on a sad note for her. She doesn't sound depressed. Yeah, she's got regrets. But she has regrets that are answered through the gospel. And she has joy now. She has purpose now. She's married to a godly man now. Um, really neat, neat testimony. Glorious to see how God can take. You're never too far away from God to be redeemed. And God redeemed her. Would definitely encourage listening to the episode. Um, very, very interesting, but also edifying. Testimony and hearing her go through it, a couple things that stood out to me were she testified to her mom, who's a believer, who for a long, long time was trying to fix her, trying to get her to stop going down this path, and it never worked. And then her mom came to a point of, I mean, you, can, you, probably, you know how this is gonna go because we've heard it a thousand times. Her mom came to a point of surrendering her to the Lord and letting go of the need to fix her daughter, just praying for her. And at about that time, that was when the Lord started to work on her heart (laughs) through her mom's influence and other things. And so, you know, what a surprise. We let go, we stop trying to do it in our own strength, and then God acts as he does over and over and over again. That should be convicting to all of us. I know it's convicting to me. Another very interesting observation that she made She talked about how in her relationship, this is in her time of pretending, she was together with a man who is pretending. So you have a biologically correct relationship, but both people are pretending to be the opposite. And doing their very best to act the opposite, to fulfill, you know, whatever the cultural stereotypes of the man she would try to take on and vice versa but she said even in that relationship they could not get out of it they couldn't get away from it he was still he was on estrogen she was on testosterone he was still stronger he still did he still did the man jobs he still in their in their romantic relationship he still pursued her like a man would pursue a woman there was still that dynamic because it's baked into how God made us. They couldn't get away from it. Now, she has come to embracing the way God made her to be. And and now she sees it as a glory. And this this is really what I want to hone in on a little bit because I think it's heartbreaking and should be inspiring to us. You shouldn't have to go through that to see how beautiful it is the way God made it. Now, God, in his mercy, put someone through that. I'm not, I'm not getting into the, does God cause sin? No, God doesn't cause sin. He's not the author of sin, but he does sovereignly use sin. We can parse all of that later. My point is, God is merciful to bring someone out of that and to, give to, to bring fruit out of that. Because she went through all of that, she has a renewed perspective on, wow, it's beautiful the way God made it to be. But shame on us if we're not already there. We should already be there. We should already see that glory. We should already embrace that goodness. Before, the the prodigal son should have appreciated the feast at his father's house before he went and ate the pig's food. Now we serve a God who in his mercy kills the fatted calf for those who come home. But how much better if you didn't waste five years with your face in the trough? And, and, she, and she would say this. This is not condemnation on her. She would say the same thing. I have no doubt. She regrets those things. Now, God has used it. She's forgiven. It's glorious. But the thing that breaks my heart is, do, do we get it? Are we enjoying our Father's feast? Or do we not really taste and see that it is good? May the testimony of the prodigal who's come back remind us of how good we have it. Of how blessed we are, of how good our God's ways are. So, I want to look at a few scriptures and see if we can think about how we think about this topic. I want to start with Deuteronomy 22 5. I'm sure you're familiar with this passage. A woman shall not wear man's clothing, nor shall a man put on a woman's clothing, for whoever does these things is an abomination to Yahweh your God. Two notes, the original words in the Hebrew, it's interesting because it's not, in English it's the same word, clothing. In Hebrew it is not the same word. The man is not supposed to wear a woman's garments, dresses, attire, it's clothing. Clothing is the right the right word for that. And I'm not saying clothing is the wrong word in the other other instance, but it, it's more than that. It's different than that. The woman's not supposed to wear a man's accoutrements. It's not. Just, it's not about like a t-shirt. It's talking about the gear of manhood. It's talking about like tools, weapons, stuff like that. It's interesting. Why did God choose a different word there? Mm. Worth percolating on. It brings to mind one of the things that That and I don't remember her name, I wish I remembered her name because I'm going to keep referring to her throughout this, but the lady on the podcast talked about, she talked about how one of the motivating factors that she sees within the community of women who do this, who pretend, is a desire for power. And she said that one of the common themes that leads women to that point is that they have been mistreated in the past. Like a remarkably common theme in the history of ladies that go into that sin, they have been mistreated in the past by men. And so the thought is, okay, well, if I can become like that, no one will ever mistreat me again. Again, that doesn't absolve their responsibility for their sin, but it sure does put an exclamation point on the evils of other sins on the part of men who, um, who would be predatory. It's no surprise that that would lead to that, right? So God sees a distinction there. What does Deuteronomy 22, five tell us? Does it matter to God? Do distinctions matter to God? In our egalitarian age, we've come to a place where are kind of the the cultural idea is that we're basically just humans. We're all just humans. And the masculinity and femininity are kind of what you make of them. Even within the church, we're very focused on on being Christian, but not necessarily on being masculine or feminine. Now, I want to draw a really careful distinction and see if I can help us because I think this conversation gets bogged down on two extremes. Within the church you have like this this manosphere this this section of the church that is extremely focused on gender distinctives possibly to a fault where it seems like basically everything is a conversation about submission authority masculinity femininity exercise wearing dresses cooking and cleaning that's like all that's talked about and on the other side we have this realm where all that is talked about is just kind of like genderless biblical truth and I'm not knocking the biblical truths that apply to everyone there are many biblical truths that apply to everyone but what is how does God see it does God just see us as just human not male or female Deuteronomy 22 5 would say no God does not just see us as humans. He sees us as men and as women. And he likes it that way. And how do we know that? Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. It was God's idea. And after he created male and female, he said, what? Very good. This is the way I like it. That was God's idea. Male and female completes the picture of the image of God. Missing one or the other, you don't have the full image of God. So masculinity and femininity were God's idea. It's inherent to who we are, all of us, each of us. If you're a man, God made you a man, not just a human. A human, yes, but a male human. That's part of your identity, it's not an accident. It's not it's not the same thing as your hair color. I mean, yeah, God gave you your hair color too. But you are a man in, in the in the fiber, in the 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 cells, the DNA, all the way down, yeah, all the way down to the DNA. The lady on the podcast said I and I'm gonna get that it was either sixteen hundred or sixteen thousand, I don't remember, either way, just tons of physical differences between male and female. She said, in every single aspect of our body, we are different. Every single aspect of our physiology. No, it's the same, same humanity, obviously the same basic blueprint, but down to the very DNA level in every single aspect of our physiology, we're different. If you're a woman, God made you a woman down to the core of who you are. You're not just a person who happens to be female. That's not the Christian perspective on the body. We aren't Gnostics. So what are Gnostics? Gnostics are people who say this, the stuff is bad. The stuff is bad. The spiritual is good. There's like this higher knowledge, this, this secret uh, reality. And when you're really spiritual, you kind of get out of the physical world. And you're now you live in the spiritual higher knowledge plane. We're not like that. Jesus became flesh. Like you and me. He had a body. He became a man, a male human. And in doing so, he dignified our humanity. He put his stamp of approval on stuff, on physicality. He rose again in a new body. That's essential to our belief, our faith as Christians. That's right. So we're not just humans who happen to be male or humans who happen to be female. We are men and women. That's how God made us. And it is good. Now, with that being said, what is the other truth that we need to bear in mind? Would be Galatians 3.28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. How do those go together? Is Paul saying that there actually isn't male or female? Well, of course he's not saying that. That would be contradicting all the rest of Scripture. We know there's obviously male and female. No, Paul is saying... But in Christ, you're in Christ. Once you're in Christ, we're equal. We're all equal in our, our standing, our worth, our value. The fact that we are loved by God, we're not gonna get into heaven and be classified by the Jews are over here, the Greeks are over here, the slaves, they sit down there away from the wedding feast, but the rich people, they sit up here. No, we are all together in unity in the body of Christ. And so that should keep us from these two extremes. That should keep us from, on the one hand, just looking at each other, almost like all, all we can see is gender. All we can talk about is gender. I, I can't preach anything that's going to apply to everybody. I'm just going to tell the women how to be women, tell the men how to be men. Well, We all need to know how to be Christians. But being a Christian means you're either a Christian man or you're a Christian woman. And so we should embrace being a Christian Man, a Christian, woman, we should pursue masculinity and femininity. The problem is that we have disconnected that from Christ. We see them as separate things. I'm either devoted to pursuing Christ through the gospel or I'm devoted to being a manly man or a feminine woman. It should go together. Why? Because Christ made me to be masculine as a man or as a woman. Christ made me to be feminine. And so as I'm pursuing Christ as a man, am I going to grow in masculinity? Absolutely. Is masculinity going to be part of my pursuit? Yeah, and in the same, it's it's inherent. It should be inherent. So it should be a part of our discussion and a part of our consideration, but it shouldn't overshadow the gospel. It shouldn't overshadow the exhortations of scripture to us as believers. We get so stuck on what we're not allowed to do. We get so stuck on the negatives that we forget to see the glory. This lady went about as close to hell as you can get on this earth and came back. And now she gets it. Now she sees the glory. Now she's doing everything she can to be a feminine woman. She's doing everything she can to embrace submitting to her husband looking like a woman. She loves it now. She gets it now. And oh, how she wishes that she got it 15 years ago. Do we get it? Do we see it as a glory? Do we say, Lord, I love your law. It is like honey to my lips. I, wanna, I want to be a godly man. I want to I be masculine. I want to be Christ-like. So I'm pursuing Jesus in every way. But that that includes, I want to be a masculine man. Why? Because God made me a man. And he said it was good. Same thing for a lady. Do you see that as a a good thing? Do you want to be feminine? Let me just ask yourself. As a man, do I want to be masculine? Do I want to be feminine? We go straight to legalism. We go straight to, okay, so what this means is now if you want to be a masculine man, you have to... Work out for an hour every day and be a black belt in a martial art and love to hunt. That's not what the Bible says. (laughs) It's not. But we're so stuck on legalism or you want to be a feminine woman. Therefore, you're never allowed to make any money. You're never allowed to pursue any marketable skills. And all you may do is cook and clean. Why Why do we constantly, we just go straight to what you're not allowed to do? As if the not allowed to do stuff is what makes us righteous. What did we learn from the Reformation? The one who by faith is righteous is righteous before God. The just shall live by faith. So, instead of it being, what am I not allowed to do? It should be, I want to do what pleases Christ because it's good. It's glorious. I want the world around me to see me as a husband, as a father, as a manly man, defined by Scripture, and I want them to see the glory of Christ. I want the world to look at my, my wife and see glory, beauty, joy. So that these ladies growing up in a world that doesn't know up from down would look into Christian households and see the glory of godly masculinity, the glory of godly femininity, and think, why would I trade that? Why would I want anything else? I want to know this Jesus. Jesus. And I want to be as fully human as those people are, because they're living their humanity to the fullest, because it's how God made us to be. Nancy Piercy wrote a book called Love Thy Body. I have not read it, but the title is enough for me to just say amen, because why? We're not talking about self-esteem. We're not talking about lying to yourself about, you know, having tons of unhealthy habits and just looking in the mirror and saying, I'm beautiful in the midst of, you know, you, you haven't bathed in three months and, you know. We're not talking about the self-esteem that the world pushes. We're talking about the fact that God made you the way you are. Don't try to flee from your body. Don't try to edit your body until you finally have satisfaction. Come to Christ and in Christ be fully human. And in being fully human, be a glory and delight in the way God made you to be. There's such joy there, and there's a real alternative for a world that is just in a tailspin trying to figure out what it even means to be human. So may we not simply be stuck on the put-offs, but rather may we rejoice in the goodness of the feast that our God has given to us.